So is Victoria's Secret beginning to right the wrongs of the past? In my mind, I think they are headed in that direction. I'm going to give you a recent example and lay it all out for you. We've got that and so much more. I'll kick the morning starts right now. Hello, hello, good morning to each and every one of you. Happy Friday, we have made it. Can you believe it? Uh, welcome to Outkick the Morning, I'm Charlie Arnold. Uh, first and foremost, I want to apologize because I woke up with a bit of a, I don't know if it's a sinus issue, but as you can tell, my voice is just a little bit scratchy. I'm also wearing my glasses, so congratulations to all of you watching. You are seeing me on TV with my glasses for the first time since, I want to say 2012. So it's been quite a while. So here we are. Congratulations. Um, okay, let's get right into it because, I mean, I feel like girls with glasses can be sexy, right? Uh, Victoria's Secret used to be sexy. In uh, on that note, let's talk about Victoria's Secret because we continually talk about saving women's spaces. Their sports leagues, their locker rooms, but we've never actually talked about their dressing rooms and retail stores. Well, now we also are getting the opportunity to talk about that one because the other day, according to an article by Newsweek, a trans woman started complaining on social media that Victoria's Secret mistreated them because they wanted to use a dressing room in one of their stores. So the trans person tweeted out this, quote, I was trying to find a cute bra at Victoria's Secret and they made me wait until every cis woman left the dressing rooms before I could go into one of them. They even made sure other cis women, they even made other cis women wait until I had my turn so no cis woman would have to be in any of the five other rooms. Obviously she's meeting at the same time. Uh, so let's just, let's just examine this for what it's worth. A biological man, right, was trying on a cute bra. Why? I don't know, because if you were to see the picture of this trans person, uh, there's nothing for the bra to cover, um, that I can tell at least. I'm not sure why you'd want to wear a bra, because as a woman, I can tell you that bras are not comfortable, and a woman looks forward to wearing a bra. Uh, so it's very puzzling why someone would go to all of the trouble to try to find a cute bra. But that's just me talking. Uh, anyways, they were forced to wait by sales associates in order to, of course, protect the privacy of all the other actual women who are using the same space, uh, and to which I say cry me a river, right? There are so many bigger problems in this world. Uh, this does not seem like one of them that should necessarily be addressed or made all that important. Uh, also, hats off to these sales associates, by the way, uh, because it was only a matter of time before Victoria's Secret had to respond to this trans person on X saying this. We're sorry to hear about your experience in our store, and we'd love to speak with you directly. And then when they were asked about the incident, Victoria's Secret told Newsweek via email, quote, we are committed to ensuring a great experience for our customers, so we always welcome feedback. Our associates are focused on providing exceptional customer service, especially during this busy shopping season. So here's how I interpreted all of this. When I read this generic response first and foremost to the trans person on X, and then Victoria's Secret's very cut and dry corporate explanation to Newsweek, I actually felt kind of convinced that Victoria's Secret may have finally learned their lesson. Because after abandoning their foundational values and going woke several years ago, uh, that is, of course, we've already talked about this on the show several times, uh, when they used to use the hottest women in the world to model and advertise their lingerie, and then they turned to using 
body inclusive, plus size models, also biological men, uh, Victoria's Secret went broke. Uh, just looking at this year alone, in quarter three, they're down $71 million. So clearly, they're absolutely tanking. So the company has already said it's going to reverse course, get back to sexy, but now these responses tell me that they might actually mean it. I mean, the reply on X to the trans person was very generic. Like any person would probably get complaining for any reason to any company online. Like for example, if I'm going to complain to Delta Airlines for not giving me a great experience, sounds very similar to what they would tell me. So that's one thing. Uh, but it's also the statement to Newsweek that tells me even more. Because I believe if they intended on continuing their woke ways, they would have taken this opportunity to specifically address the LGBTQ community, and they didn't. They absolutely didn't. Instead, they kept it very broad, they kept it very generic, because they didn't want to wade in those waters any longer, it seems, and I gotta say, I respect it. Female dressing rooms, just like locker rooms, should be off limits to anybody but women. The ones that were, of course, born women. So to Victoria's Secret, don't make me bite my tongue because I actually do believe in you. I think you are beginning to learn the error of your past ways. But next time, here's what I propose. Let's take it a step further. And next time in your corporate response, make a stronger statement so real women can once again start to rally behind what was once an absolutely iconic brand. Oh, and also, I must say, in the spirit of the holiday season, to the sales associates that didn't get bullied by the trans person, I do believe a holiday bonus should be in order. All right, now we move on to a little bit of sports in Outkick the Morning. Uh, it is championship week in college football, and I already know some of the diehards have shelled out hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to support the favorite team, but as we all realize, not everybody can sit at the 50-yard line right against the barricade. So I did find a guy who does the complete opposite in his quest to visit every single stadium in the country. Listen. And here I am with the man himself, Mr. Michael Barker. He is College Football Campus Tour. Uh, Michael, it's interesting because most people, when they visit different stadiums around the country, they are about to experience something new for the very first time. They want to have the very best view possible. They want the best seat in the house. But you make it your MO to find the worst seat in the house. Uh, how did you come up with this concept? So I've traveled to a lot of college football stadiums. I've attended a lot of games. A lot of them are 90, 100 years old. They've undergone several renovations. And through the course of those changes, they weren't all perfectly planned. And so I was exploring a stadium in Wyoming called War Memorial Stadium. They have a spot they call the knot hole, which is uh, in between the press box and the seat. The press box sticks out, blocks a lot of the view. And so I noticed that was at a lot of stadiums. And since then, uh, called the obstructed view alert. And anytime I find a bad seat at a stadium, we put it on social media to try to give people a heads up to not sit there. Yeah, and that's exactly how I found you on Instagram, um, which, by the way, we're going to drop his handle later on in the interview so you can all give him a follow as well. Uh, I was so interested in the fact that these seats existed uh, because it just seems crazy to me. It seems like robbery that you could actually charge someone to sit in some of the seats that I've seen you sit in. What is the worst seat you've ever sat in? 
So the worst seat was at the University of Buffalo it was a couple of weeks ago. They have an end zone bleachers and there's a play clock that the players use to make sure they hike the ball on time, but it's right in the middle of the bleachers. And so when I go find an obstructed view, I assign a percentage of the field you can see if it's 20 yards and that's 20%, 40 yards, 40%. That one, you're just looking at the back of a play clock. So it's 0%. And that's the worst one I've come across. Boston College has one also where a scoreboard was built in front of a few seats. They don't sell those seats, but at Buffalo, it's a general admission seat. You could absolutely sit there. Okay, so it's general admission. It's not like you are choosing, oh, this is seat like 100C or anything like that. There's This is just GA. And if you're the unlucky one who doesn't get there in time and this is where you get squeezed into, I mean, what does a person do in that situation? Like, do you just like hover over your neighbors and like hope that they're nice to you and and let you take a peek around at the action every once in a while? Yeah, you described it perfectly, a peek of a peekaboo seat. So there are some where they are for sale. I was at Eastern Mission a couple of weeks ago and they had the athletic director go in the records and find out that a seat was for sale. It was next to a press box. You could only see 40%. So it varies by stadium. I try to put buyer beware or vet yourself, some kind of disclaimer on there. But if you end up in that seat, you know, I, I talk about all your other senses are heightened, right? Yeah. You're going to, your hearing and, and your feel. And I was at Ohio State and these people said they pay $477 for three tickets per game. The players look like ants. They can't see the scoreboard and they just cheer when everybody else cheers. And they didn't know what they were buying. So that one was very unfortunate. Yeah, I feel like you might have to have like some type of little handheld radio or something so you can hear what's going on. And then, you know, hopefully you're in tune with him and everyone's cheering. You're like, oh, a touchdown just occurred. Okay, I couldn't see it, but at least I have, you know, someone giving me the info over some type of, I don't know, some radio show or what whatnot. Um, what do you do? Do you make friends with the people around you at these games? I, I guess my question even before that, do you actually sit in these seats for the entire game or is it more of you're just giving people the alert, these seats exist, and then you can go watch from a place that has probably a better view? Yeah, I, I never sit at a game. I, I say that I cover the stadium. So when you watch broadcast, you got the play-by-play, -play, you got the analyst, you got the sideline reporter, but nobody's really talking about what's in the stand. So I try to go and explore, try to start conversations with people. Uh, I do need help for these obstructive view seats to have someone take the photo from behind me. So uh, sometimes the home fans won't help me out. I got to ask a road fan, hey, I'm in Florida in the swamp. I find a Florida State fan, hey, you want to make fun of the swamp? So you do that. But really, uh, I try to go and have as many conversations as I can. There's a lot of weeknight games in college football that are uh, minimally attended. So you have a lot of opportunity just okay. to strike up conversations. Oh, that's so fun. Uh, okay, so you have been, let's just lay it all out there. How many stadiums have you actually been to over the course of your lifetime on the college football campus tour? So I've been traveling to games for seven years. It took me five years to see a game at all 133 FBS stadiums. I'm starting to work on the FCS goal. I actually have pretty good progress. 77 out of 128. It's 261 D1 schools, and so far I've been to 210. So uh, hopefully three more years, do 17 a pop in the FCS, and I think that I'll be the only person in the world to see a game at all 261 Division I schools. Do you intend on submitting, submitting this to the Guinness Book of World Records? So I heard someone uh, went to a lot of games last year and tried to apply, and they said that the Guinness Book said there was not a category for college football travel. So, um, you know, there's categories for There's categories for everything, though. Exactly. Literally everything. I That's think you need to change this.
I hope so. Well, all, you know, the, the one thing they have to do is vet people and make sure they're right. If you go on my social media, it has every game yeah. that I've been to. It has photos there. So it's not up for dispute. So Guinness book uh, at the end of the year, I got a couple of records. Maybe uh, you want to check out. Yeah, absolutely. I think we need to make that happen. Uh, okay. So you've been to tons of stadiums. Uh, I want some superlatives from you. So the first one I want to ask you is best overall stadium. Best overall stadium. So I, what I say is it's Baskin Robbins. What's your favorite flavor? What do you like? Uh, so yeah. you, you like the hundred thousand seats. You can't go wrong with uh, Beaver stadium, Penn state, uh, the shoe, Ohio state, tiger stadium, LSU. If you like smaller, little bit venues, kid brewer stadium, app state university of Montana, Washington, Grizzly. Uh, I like them all, but uh, you know, I don't want that to be a cop-out answer, but it just depends on what yeah, you you're want. Right. Yeah, that is, that's, that's a good way to put it. There's, there's uh, 31 different flavors, Baskin Robbins. Okay. Best game day experience. Best game day experience. So I will tell you that the best experience that I've had was at Texas A&M. It was a 2018 versus Clemson. Clemson was number one in the nation. Texas A&M was unranked. And at Texas A&M, they have cadets on the field who send signals up to the crowd to coordinate cheers. And they talk about the 12th man 100 years ago, a student was asked to come on the field and help out when the team had too many injured players. And so they really have adopted that as part of what they do. And that experience there, if you want to be in an intense football environment, it's crazy. And they played that game. It was 28-26. If they got the two-point conversion, they would have went to overtime. Talent-wise, they had no business being in that game. But the vibe, the experience, the atmosphere, it just elevated their play. And it was amazing to see. Wow. Okay, so we're talking about rituals. Uh, is there any other pregame rituals that have really sucked you in, the best of? So I would say probably Virginia Tech, Enter Sandman, uh, when they play the Metallica song, when they come out and uh, they start in the locker room, they show them walking through the tunnels, and then they pop out in the end zone. The whole crowd just hops up and down, and and that song is already kind of yeah. spooky, and and you know, so uh, two and a half minutes at last, it's it's goosebumps, it's intimidating, and to me, I you want those experiences. That's what you're there for. So that one is one that sticks out to me. Okay, best food. Mm, I would say if you go to Louisiana and you're in an LSU and you see some of these trucks around there, you're getting things that you didn't even think were available in a football stadium. Oh, I'm sure some of them you wish you didn't know were available. Oh, my God. It's, it's very true. And <laughs> what I do is I take photos of a concession. Sometimes I was at the swamp in Florida and a beer was $19. Uh, you go to a place in Nichols, which is in Louisiana, and you could get jambalaya for $4. So it, there's a big, uh, there's at BYU, they have what's called the cougar tail, which is a foot long donut. People go crazy for that. Yum. I was, yeah, I was just in New Mexico and they had a bacon wrapped hot dog and a glazed donut for $8. So wow. what what kind of- uh, Where do I need to go of, for that again? I'm sorry, remind me of that stadium? University of New Mexico, yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, best tailgate. Best tailgate. I, I'm going to just go with the the chalk answer, which is Ole Miss, the Grove. For somebody that lives in California, there's not much of a college football culture. So when you go to the South and you see daughters that have been going to games with their dad since oh, they're eight yeah. years old, and they're there and they're in it and they love it. And, and to me, to see these people out there 10, 12 hours, they're very inviting, very opening. And 
they just half of them don't even go in the stadium. They stay in the tailgate. So the Grove is pretty amazing in Oxford. Oh, that is cool. Uh, okay. And finally, best fans. Oof. Okay. I'm just going to say uh, the nicest fans that I've encountered uh, is Boise State. They are, they want to know why you're there. They want to help you experience it. They'll point out things. There's a section where guys dress up as Elvis and, you know, it, best fans to me is, are they going to be good when they're losing as well Ooh, as winning? Yeah, that's and, tough. Yeah. So if you go somewhere where like I went to Kentucky and they had a lead on Florida for 58 minutes of the game and everything was cool. And then the bottom <laughs> fell out and it was look out everybody including wives and daughters and all that so um best fans to me means nice and under good circumstances they're not going to flip on you so i'll say boise okay all right um i i appreciate all those answers i appreciate the honesty uh hopefully you didn't upset anybody uh by not choosing them or, or speaking out against them but um okay let's look ahead now michael to the fact that next year they are revamping the college football playoffs, uh, yeah. taking it from four teams to 12 teams. Uh, so obviously going to be a big shakeout there. Uh, but the interesting part about it is right now, when you look at the semifinals and where they're played, they're at sterile environments, right? They're not on the college campuses. They're usually, you know, they're at the Superdome in New Orleans, for example, uh, which isn't so much of a great experience for fans, right? You lose a lot of the traditions, a lot of the, uh, rituals that we've just been talking about and, and you get into an environment that just doesn't feel so warm and inviting. Do you oh, imagine that they could be moving to a place where we may see games being played on college campuses, or do you still think that they're going to try to keep them at neutral sites? Well, I know that the first round of the new playoff is going to be on campus. So we have that to look forward okay. to uh, a snow game at the big house in Michigan or something like that. That's what we're looking forward to, but you're absolutely right. You, you spend 13 weeks of the regular season, the conference championship games you are playing on campus. And then all of a sudden you're in a sterile NFL environment. I call the Allegiant stadium in Vegas. I call it the hockey puck or the Roomba. Uh, one of the worst game experiences I ever had was at the national championship last year at SoFi stadium in LA. Yes. It rained I heard that. Yeah, it rained inside the quote dome. Uh, the the escalators and stairs are not covered by the dome, so people were slipping and falling. So uh, I'm absolutely with you. I wish they would do the the whole thing in a college football stadium. They want to have it kind of be the Super Bowl, so they want it to be neutral. But I have when I choose this weekend or when I choose games, I try not to choose uh, any neutral site games. Always on campus. So I'm with you. I hope they would do it the whole way, but. There's a lot of money in the college football playoff, and uh, we might not be able to to shake that. Yeah, a lot of money and only more coming in. Uh, let's talk about this weekend, though. Uh, we have the SEC championship game. I don't know if you have a dog in this fight. Are you a Bama guy? Or are you a Georgia guy? If if not, what game are you going to have your eye on? Well, that one is the Clash of the Titans, and they've played so many epic games over the last couple of years. I was at the national championship in 2021 where they rematched and Georgia beat them. You don't get this very often in college sports where you go through multiple classes and you have two-time defending national champions who went through the whole season and went undefeated again. And Alabama, to me, they're a dynasty, and I don't dislike them. A lot of times you dislike a dynasty, but they just go about it the right way. Saban is a is an amazing coach, obviously. So 
that's a clash of the Titans. It's an elimination game. Whoever gets uh, that victory is going to be in. Also, I'm looking at the Pac-12 championship as a West Coast person. It's really sad that the conference is being disbanded in one of the best years they've had in 25 years. So um, that game, Oregon-Washington, top five matchup, winner gets in the playoffs. So those are two huge matchups that I can't wait to see. And, and what game will you be at this weekend? This weekend, I will be at uh, Friday night, Lynchburg, Virginia is the Conference USA Championship. There's two games that day. One is the Pac-12 Championship at Allegiant Stadium. And as I said, I always prefer the on-campus game. So we'll be there. And then Saturday, I'm working on the FCS goal. I've never been to a game at the University of Albany. The Great Danes are playing the Richmond Spiders. I know everybody's going to be tuning in for that. Um, but those are two that will help me in my quest to continue to make progress on my my Division One stadium goals. Yeah, absolutely. And that means more content, everybody. Um, so make sure to check out Michael, Michael Barker. Um, his Instagram handle is CFB Campus Tour. Uh, and there you'll get to see all of the horrific seats that he ends up in and the really cool experiences that he runs into as he visits uh, new stadiums every single weekend. And, you know, this is obviously going to be one of the final ones of the year. So uh, good luck to you in your quest to hit all of the stadiums. Uh, again, super interesting what you've got going on. And I thank you so much for your time. Charlie, thank you. And I know there's an obstructed view at Liberty on Friday. So be on the lookout for that. There we go. Well, once again, a huge thank you to Michael Barker. I uh, can't wait to check out the seats that he's sitting in this weekend. Uh, also can't wait to check out all of the awesome football action that will be taking place this weekend. So uh, you definitely know we'll be recapping that and talking about it on Monday. Uh, now let's turn our focus to baseball for our final story, because it's been almost two months since former Dodger Trevor Bauer was vindicated against the physical and sexual assault accusations that turned out to be, as we have already talked about in depth, Nothing but lies. Because of these lies, he was suspended for 194 games beginning on April 29, 2022, uh, because he was found to be in violation of the league's domestic violence policies. Though before he was even able to complete that suspension, he was released by the Dodgers, the team he was playing for at the time, on January 12, 2023, at which point he went to Japan to play. And that's the team that he has last played for. Uh, but now that he has been found to have done nothing wrong and, in fact, ended up being the victim of a money-grubbing woman, the question is, shouldn't he be able to return back to MLB? In fact, shouldn't MLB insist that he comes back after this truth surfaced? Out of principle, and for the league to stand in solidarity with its athletes, especially the ones who have been mistreated and publicly shamed like Bauer, I say he needs to be back on an MLB roster next spring. It can all start with the team and general manager having the guts to sign him at the winter meetings next week in Nashville. Great timing, right? I see this as being no different than the league returning to Atlanta for the All-Star game after haphazardly, uh, that might be putting it lightly, pulling out of the city after Joe Biden idiotically declared Georgia's voting laws to be Jim Crow 2.0. And in fact, as we learned, it was quite the opposite. More people voted in the recent Georgia election than ever before as far as midterms go. So just like they righted this wrong, it's time for MLB to admit another mistake. Uh, that was to push Trevor Bauer out of the league. All this being said, there is a rumor floating around that 
one of Trevor's old teams, the Cincinnati Reds, where he played for the shortened 2019-2020 season and remember where he won the Cy Young Award after finishing the season with a 1.73 ERA and 100 strikeouts in two complete games, uh, Bauer is ready to make his comeback. Meanwhile, Bauer has been showing teams that he is physically and mentally fit and ready to go with videos like this one. We should do a segment, can I answer like math questions while I'm doing workouts? What do you think, think about that, Tim? not 1.7. I feel confident that whatever complexity of math problems Tim can come up with, I can potentially solve. We're gonna go trigonometry. Go. Two plus two. Four. Nine times eight. 72. 100 divided by 25. Four. Three plus nine. 12. Eight plus 15. 23. 69 plus 73. Oh, Jesus, 142? 142 divided by eight. Uh, uh, 17 nope. and a half. Did I get that one? 142 I took the last divided by eight. 17.75, I was Dude, off. Are you kidding me? We gotta redo that set, let's go. How did he even know that last one? I don't remember the number, but divided by eight, and he said 17.5. I mean, for me to calculate that in my brain while I'm doing an exercise, first of all, just to calculate that in my brain, even if I'm not doing an exercise, even if I'm literally just sitting here for minutes on end, I would not get that. Uh, I'm also horrible at math, but uh, I'm very impressed. I imagine other people are too. Bauer has the brain and the bronze. Uh, not many people can say that. He's handling this whole situation too, we must admit, with such grace I believe any team would be lucky to have a real man like this representing them this upcoming season. So hopefully, MLB, you're hearing this. You come to your senses, and we get Trevor Bauer back in action. He deserves it. He did nothing wrong. And in fact, he was the victim of a scandal that you should hope to find none of your other players in, uh, at least anytime soon. Although we know that there's women out there who are going to be looking to do the same thing. So I think this is your opportunity uh, out of principle to take a stand right now. Uh, okay, everyone, that is it. We are done. The week is over. Uh, it is time for everyone to go enjoy your weekend. Thank you so much, of course, for being here. Hopefully you got to check out all five days of the Outkick Morning Action. Um, I'm sorry, again, that I sound a little bit um, suspect today on the show. Uh, but at least you got to see me in my glasses. That's a new one. Should I wear them again? Leave in the comments if you want me to wear my glasses more. I kind of feel like I look like a school teacher right now. Thank you for coming to class, everybody. Uh, all right, that's going to do it. Everyone, make sure that you are subscribing, signing up for the alerts, liking, commenting, and also following me on social media so you don't miss any of the news that might drop through the course of the weekend. That is at Charlie on TV. And I will see all of you, same place, same time, right here on Monday. Have a fabulous weekend, everyone.